Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. Those words that we just heard, the parable of the mustard seed, will serve indeed as our uh, point of reference and our focus for, for our message today. Can you cut the mustard? I don't know how familiar you are with that phrase, if you even knew it was a phrase, but did you also know there's a song about it? Too old, too old, he's too old to cut the mustard anymore. He's getting too old, he's done got too old, he's too old to cut the mustard anymore when i was young i had a lot of pep i could get around didn't need no help but now you're old and getting gray the people all look at you and say too old too old he's too old to cut the mustard anymore he's getting too old he's done got too old he's too old to cut anymore. Well, if you couldn't figure it out from that song, to cut the mustard means you can do it right. And if you can't cut the mustard, well, you see the kind of the implications. Point of clarification, though, I do not agree with the song that seems to imply that it's only when you get older that you can't cut the mustard. Um, but uh, no, there's plenty of reasons why somebody can't cut the mustard but it probably depends on what it is that we're talking about. And so we have that opportunity to think about it in some crazy way, hopefully uh, being able to smile and, and laugh. By the way, I don't think any people or animals were harmed in the making of those video clips, but uh, I don't know about the dog that went in the hole. But anyway, um, that was not Coco. Uh, she doesn't run that fast. Um, but um, what does this all have to do with our Christian life. And uh, hopefully you'll, you'll see maybe a little bit of a connection. So Jesus tells this parable of the mustard seed. And, and I guess we should stop there and, and say this, this phrase of cutting the mustard, if it even has anything to do with mustard, I don't, um, those who study these kind of phrases and where they come from, Apparently, there's not a, a unanimous consensus on this, but I get the impression that this may be a, a derivation of a phrase that actually has a little bit more meaning, namely the fact that there is a word called muster that is used in a military sense when you muster the troops. And part of that involves um, a, a type of assembling them for inspection. And so you could obviously see where if somebody doesn't pass the muster, that means really what we now understand the phrase cutting the mustard is. So I'm guessing that's where that came from, that over the decades somebody said, did he say cut the mustard? And then the rest is history. But can you cut the mustard in terms of what it means from a Christian's perspective? When Jesus makes the comparison between the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of Jesus Christ in our hearts, and the expectations that that carries with it. 
So why would Jesus use the mustard seed and plant in his parable? Well, I think it goes without saying that the people then were certainly familiar with the mustard plant. How they used mustard, did they use it the same way that we use it today? I don't know. But they certainly knew the concept. Mustard actually is grown all over the world, not just in the Middle East. In fact, do you know the country that, that leads the world in mustard seed production? Go ahead, shout it out. You all know, right? Not the US, but very, very close. We are a southern neighbor to this particular country. Our friends from Canada should all be celebrating and saying, yes, we lead the world in mustard production. We um, perhaps know what a mustard looks like. Maybe we have it in our, in our spice racks. In fact, it's used throughout um, nearly every culture has some type of mustard flavor used in its cuisine. And, um, and Jesus uses that, I'm sure, so we can relate to it. But his main point of the parable, of course, is that something that starts out that small as a grain of mustard seed, yet when given the growth and the right opportunities and conditions can grow. Now Jesus didn't say it was the growing into the largest um, uh, living thing of all the earth. No, he said it becomes the largest of the garden plants, of the herbs if you will. And he said it's such that even birds can find a place to make their nests in the mustard tree. Well, maybe there's some applications that are intended or maybe that we can draw out from mustard. You know, one mustard kernel probably doesn't make a lot of mustard for your bratwurst. By the way, I, I said to the other services that on Bavarian Fest weekend, I did look very diligently to see if there was a parable of Jesus about the Kern's bratwurst sauce tree. I couldn't find one. So we're going to stick with mustard on the brats today. But one little kernel of mustard doesn't make a lot. But when you put it with hundreds, thousands, millions... There's plenty to make a difference, to make things taste differently and from many perspectives, better. And, you know, this isn't the only place where Jesus makes a comparison for his followers to be a flavor, a, something that makes the world have more flavor. You're familiar with the, with the part from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount when he said, you are the salt of the earth. You see, that's what God wants you and me, the kingdom of God within us to be in this world, something that adds flavor, something that spices things up in a way that God approves of. You see, believe it or not, as crazy and as exciting as the quote world thinks that they have it, it really boils down to nothing but blah mundane, stuck in a rut, same results produced from the same type of behavior. And God says, no, I want the world to be a much more flavorful place. That's why you 
are planted where you are planted to make a difference. The other thing that is probably true of, of a mustard kernel, if you have one in your spice rack, you can um, maybe try this, but if you just smell it by itself, there's really not much of a mustard aroma. And I would guess that if you were to just suck on an individual mustard seed, that there might not be any flavor until when? Until that seed gets crushed and ground up and pulverized, then the flavor comes out. I wonder if there's any application for us as Christians living in a world that is full of things that can seem to grind on us and pulverize us and, and make life very, very difficult. Maybe it's our response to that of allowing God's grace to be able to be demonstrated even in those most difficult of times. Maybe that's when God would have us share the flavor that he has given to us to give to the world. There are those that say that mustard even has some health benefits. Did you know this? Did you ever hear about a mustard plaster um, or a poultice, uh, which, is, which is basically a paste and, and it can be made of mustard and other things that can be placed then like on a person's chest because that supposedly has some healing and relief measures when it comes to such things as asthma, coughs, rheumatoid arthritis, high blood pressure, and even migraine headaches. I didn't know. Now, how effective that is? Oh, I'm sure that gets debated. How much mustard does it take to relieve your migraine headache? Well, why don't you demonstrate? Do a little experiment and you let me know. <laughs> Having said that, if mustard can be used to relieve symptoms of illness and pain and discomfort, I wonder if that isn't one of the ways that God would have us function as well as the church, as individual Christians, bringing relief, hope, being a place where the symptoms of craziness and madness and brokenness can find some type of balm or healing, even, even a poultice that, that can help us breathe better. By God's grace, that's what he indeed does through his church, through you and me. And we can see how when Jesus says that something that can start out so small can turn into something big and powerful and influential in all of the right ways is indeed a tremendous blessing. St. Paul, who wrote so many of the letters that are recorded in the New Testament, many of those letters were written to Christians or to um, individuals or to churches. And many times he commended them and encouraged them for all that they were doing and, and gave them the attaboy, way to go, God is with you and, and keep up the good work. But there were also any number of times where his words were not for encouragement, but his words were to bring correction. 
because even though the church is God's and it's made up of his called people, you and me, the church remains to be made up of sinful people. Sinful people who do not always allow God's will and way to hold sway in all that they do. I share with you these words from one of Paul's letters to the Corinthians where he has to write this. He's talking about the potential of coming to visit them. And he says this, For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. Things were not perfect at Corinth. Aren't you so glad that this wasn't written to St. Lawrence? Could it be? Could it be written to you or me? In fact, I want you to consider for a minute if St. Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, were addressing a letter directly to you, what would he include in such a letter? Would, be, would there be the words of encouragement and praise and, and uh, acknowledgement of God's grace in our lives and how that's shown to the world around us? I would sure hope so and think so. But would there also be words to confront us? Words to help us to deal with the fact that we are indeed sinful that we are unclean and that perhaps instead of being a place of flavor in the world, we simply don't let our flavor out. Or being a place where there's supposed to be healing and, and, and uh, comfort that perhaps are we at times causes for division and hostility and anger and problems within the church and without. Let me ask, can you cut the mustard? Have you been up to the task? Have you passed the test of God's inspection to say that you are doing everything according to his will and being used as Jesus would have you be used as you follow him? Me neither. I have to say, I can't cut the mustard. But that's where we also need to hear some very important points that are shared with us in this place of scripture as well as a couple others. You'll notice that this word about the mustard seed came right after another parable that was read for us, a parable of what is sometimes called the automatic action 
action of the soil. That's kind of an odd name, but it's probably the best one that fits. It's the parable where Jesus said, you know, a person goes out and sows seeds, and then they go on their way, they sleep, they rise, they get up, they do their activity, and they have nothing to do with the fact that the, so- that the seed and the soil actually caused the seed to germinate. Jesus' words were, he knows not how the seed grows because the soil takes care of it. It's, in some ways, you could say almost a miracle. The seed is planted, but the soil causes it to sprout. You and I are the soil in which God plants the seed of his word in our hearts. It's not up to you and me to make it grow. God is the one who's responsible for that. We go about our life and sometimes we're not even aware of the growth that is taking place. And that is how God intends it to be. But there's something else that is said in scriptures. And that is that whenever a mustard seed is planted, guess what it produces? mustard seeds. Do you remember back in, the, in Genesis chapter 1 when it's describing how God created the world? It goes to a little bit of length to explain that when God said, let there be vegetation which comes forth on the earth and let there be plants that produce seed in their own kind. Oh yes, there's all kinds of works that's been done with hybrids and, and, um, and making improvements and changes within species of plants and so forth. But when you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. When you plant an acorn, you're going to get an oak tree. When you plant a mustard seed, you're going to get a mustard shrub or bush or tree. That's God's promise and plan. When he plants his word in you, it will produce what he wants it to produce. The fruit of the spirit, the fruit of good works that he has given and prepared for us to do in advance. That's a promise. That's a word of encouragement. That's incentive for us to to let that word and that seed grow within us. And there's one other thing that is so important that God's word reminds us of, and that is the moisture. How important, haven't we seen that even already this spring, how important is moisture for the growth of things? Isaiah chapter 55 says what? It says, for the rain and the snow come down from heaven and water the earth and do not return empty, But water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And then here's the comparison. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I sent it and prosper in the thing for which I purpose. That's a promise. That as that word of God has been planted in our hearts as that he causes it to sprout and grow as he causes it to produce what he wants it to produce he also gives the nourishment that it needs the support, the word, the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness and love and peace that we expose ourselves to we allow to come into our hearts so that that seed will indeed produce and be 
what God wants it to be. That's the good news. So, can you cut the mustard by God's grace? Absolutely. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.